This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. Today we're talking about pregnancies um, and particularly putting a spotlight on what might be deemed higher risk or high risk pregnancies. Now, of course, um, having a baby, that's a time of anticipation, isn't it? Um, for any woman, uh, the arrival of a baby in her life is going to change her life. Um, it's a time of joy, but also one of some anxieties um, because. Um, Every mother, uh, of course, worries and hopes for a safe and healthy delivery of her baby. And in the event that the pregnancy is deemed to be of higher risk, there may be some um, extra fears involved over the well-being of the mother and the baby. And experts like my guest today, Dr. Muniswaran Ganeshan, consultant obstetrician and gynecologist from Pantai Hospital Kuala Lumpur, are responsible for helping to manage high-risk pregnancies and keeping mothers and their babies safe and healthy. So that's what we will be discussing today. Dr. Munis, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Good evening, shall we? Thank you so much. It's good to be back in your studio. Yes. Uh, Call us with your questions, concerns, thoughts. Um, Dr. Muniz is the best person to um, discuss issues related to pregnancy, and especially um, you know factors that may sort of increase the risk for some mothers. The number to call is zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp our U Mobile number at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Dr. Muniz, what exactly would be deemed? a high-risk pregnancy uh, if we look at, um, you know, all women sort of um, going through this this period, this phase of their reproductive lives, um, when would you deem a pregnancy to be of high risk? Okay, so there are two types of high-risk pregnancies. One are mothers who already have an underlying medical, surgical or a genetic complication and they embark on a pregnancy, so that becomes high risk. Or secondly, are mothers who are perfectly well and healthy, but develop a complication during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So these are the two common classifications of high-risk pregnancy. Mm. And I guess we will talk about uh, what might be some of these underlying conditions or those that they may develop uh, after they have conceived. But I guess the term itself, high-risk pregnancy, um, can be quite alarming. Uh, Even for me, just reading about it, sort of preparing for this conversation with you today, um, you know, it it just, you know, brings up a lot of questions and doubts, right? So perhaps you can reassure us now in terms of what does it actually mean when a woman has a high-risk pregnancy? Does it mean that the mother, the baby will be in danger throughout the pregnancy? Okay, excellent. So I think uh, let's not first fear the uh, terminology of high-risk pregnancy. It means the pregnancy is of certain risks compared to the normal background population. But what is even more important, let's use that information rather than being fearful of it. I think people should be empowered. Now, if you deem yourself to be at high risk, if you see the right expert at the right time, ideally is before conception, known as the big modern thing of preconception health. You can actually minimize the risk. So, for example... Without any interventions, you may have an increased risk of having an early birth, small babies, abnormal babies, or even stillbirth. But with the right intervention, with the right planning, with the right empowerment and intervention, I believe you can reduce this risk. All we want 
is a healthy mother and a healthy baby with an optimal pregnancy outcome. Mm. What, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about this notion or the practice of preconception health. Um, uh, at what point, how early should the woman be sort of seeking out uh, and who should be, should, who, what kind of expert should she be seeing? Okay. So traditionally, people have only focused on childbirth. And then came a time where we divided pregnancy into the three trimesters. The first trimester, the first 12 to 14 weeks, the second trimester and the third trimester. But I believe in sake of simplicity, we should divide pregnancy into five different phases. Preconception health. What you do 12 weeks before getting pregnant is extremely important. And even the health of the partner. The partner should not be smoking. The partner ideally should not be taking alcohol. You should minimize your caffeine intake. So that is preconception health. Then what you do during the three trimesters of pregnancy is important. And now we know that what you do after birth, the first three months after birth is also equally important. Mm -hmm. And then there is new concept of inter-pregnancy care, where women have to be healthy before during and even in between pregnancies. Mm. I believe if you focus at these key areas, we can assure that women have got optimal outcomes throughout their life and reproductive age. Mm. And for this kind of care, I mean, obviously, uh, when you've conceived during your pregnancy, you see uh, an OBGYN. Uh, but what preconception? Who, who should a woman see? So ideally, everyone needs preconception health. So if you're healthy, what can we do? We can talk about what is the right vitamins to take? What are the optimal vaccinations that you need? How to modify your lifestyle with regards to exercise, with regards to smoking, alcohol, caffeine intake. So everyone needs preconception health. But if the woman has got an increased risk, for example, the woman is on obesity, then you can talk about how we can address this obesity issue. The woman has got diabetes. We can talk about how we can optimally control diabetes before conception, not during, but preconception. Mm. Now, certain women have got a high risk of a condition called preeclampsia, where they develop high blood pressure, the leg starts to swell. So, taking an important medication such as aspirin can reduce your risk by 93%. So, these are the essential interventions that we can actually talk about. Uh, to plan the pregnancy ahead. So we do know if the pregnancy is planned, the outcomes are way better as compared to an unplanned pregnancy. Mm. So presumably it is during this preconception stage that a mother or woman may even pick up underlying medical conditions she didn't know that she had, right? Yes, correct. Mm. So it's not uncommon first to identify women who are anemic, women who have diabetes, women who have kidney disease, even women who have got cancers. If you identify them early, we can actually treat and cure them and then talk about pregnancy to ensure that they embark on a pregnancy at a healthier state. Talking about preconception, it's not just the health of the mother. The health of the father, the weight of the father, the age of the father is also extremely important because it takes two to tango and both of them ideally have to be healthy an optimal childbirth and outcome. Age as well. I mean, you yes. read about like Robert De Niro having a child in his, I don't know what he is, 70s or whatever. Um, but age yeah. of the man. So for many years, I think people have stigmatized women and only talk about the woman's age. I think they forgot the other half of the, uh, of the equation, which is the age of the father, 
the weight of the father and the father's lifestyle, mm. including the medications that the father takes. Mm. So it's a shared responsibility, yes. isn't it? And uh, smoking, like you said earlier, um, that the father should not be smoking. Um, so you've already listed out a few conditions that is important to identify in a woman before she conceives anemia, diabetes, kidney disease, cancers. Are there any others that um, you would see commonly, um, you know, sort of being implicated in higher risk pregnancies? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we only spoke about women having diseases. I think one important thing is what happened in the past. If they had an adverse previous pregnancy outcome, example, a stillbirth, a baby that was born prematurely, or a baby that is abnormal, we now know that almost 80% of these outcomes could have been prevented if they did the right thing with the right intervention, seeing the right expert. Mm, All right. Um, So... What, I guess, um, especially for women who have discovered that they have a pre-existing condition or they have experienced uh, some trouble in a previous pregnancy, I think that fear would be, will I be able to um, have a healthy pregnancy the next time around, right? Do we know what chances uh, 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 statistics are like? Okay, so generally... Uh, 90% of pregnancies are deemed uncomplicated. And the incidence of high risk pregnancies is perhaps 1 in 8 to 1 in 10, depending on uh, which country you live in. Now, certain things have a recurrence. For example, if one delivered prematurely before, they've got a 1 in 6 chance of happening again. If they had diabetes in the past, they have got a 1 in 2 chance of having it again. But certain things are rare. But I think generally... Uh, they should not fear or not be too traumatized with what happened. I think they should come forward, speak to their doctor, talk to them about how we can modify, prevent, not eliminate the fear, but use that fear in terms of empowerment. And I think patients who are empowered, they know what the right thing to do. We can actually minimize complications. Mm. Cancer is an interesting one because um, many women who have been diagnosed with cancer, especially of um, reproductive organs, um, perhaps they're in that state of mind where they're just thinking about treating the cancer and hopefully recovering from it. Um, Talking about having a baby may not be part of that conversation, right? So thank you for asking a wonderful question. I think we can talk about two different aspects of cancer. One is a woman who have had cancer treatment. Ideally, they should plan the pregnancy because we know that these medications are safe. And after a safe period of time of at least 24 months, they can actually embark on a pregnancy. The second type, slightly more complicated, are women who develop cancer during pregnancy. Example, breast cancer. So now we know that medicine has evolved to a stage that cancer can be effectively treated in pregnancy. Mm. And we can actually treat the both conditions, treat the cancer, treat the woman, continue the pregnancy with the right expert so that we do not deny any woman the right to be a mother, but more importantly, we actually can optimise her health and her pregnancy and her reproductive outcomes. Oh, that's amazing. So um, regardless of the type of treatment she's undergoing for her cancer, radiotherapy, chemo, um, targeted therapies? There are some slight modifications, but we know that certain types of chemotherapy is safe. So it's important to know what type of cancer, 
Number two, rather than just focusing on the cancer, it's important to see the right expert who will be able to advise you whether this is something that you can be treated optimally. We don't want to increase a woman's risk, but what we want is to see what is the right balance. Mm. So yes, cancers can be treated effectively. Chemotherapy is safe. Imaging CT scans are safe. Even surgeries are safe during pregnancy. All right, let's go for a quick break and continue this conversation when we come back. Dr. Muniswaran Ganeshan, consultant obstetrician and gynecologist from Pantai Hospital Kuala Lumpur, in the studio to discuss high-risk pregnancies and how to manage them and uh, reduce complications. Call us with your questions, 03-777-32900, WhatsApp our U-Mobile number at 018 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. And my guest in the studio with me, Dr. Muniswaran Ganeshan, consultant obstetrician and gynecologist from Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur. We're discussing how to help mothers manage high-risk pregnancies. You can call us with your questions 03-7733-2900 WhatsApp our U-Mobile number at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. I think one of the um, perhaps uh, risk factors that most people would jump to think about that we haven't actually addressed yet is um, age itself. Uh, we hear so much about um, uh, women uh, choosing to have babies at a start their families at a later age now. And is that in itself um, increasing uh, the possibility of a high-risk pregnancy, Dr. Munis? So thank you, to, thank you for asking about a very pertinent question. I think the age uh, old correlation between age and pregnancy outcomes being high risk, I think is no longer true. I think we should not stigmatize and categorize a woman's health purely based on age. You may have someone who is 38 years old, who's healthy, who's fit, who's got a normal BMI, who leads a healthy lifestyle. You may have someone who's 30 years old, who's smoking, who's got a BMI of 40. So I think we have gone beyond age. But I think what we should be looking at is how healthy you are. Do you have any underlying problems? What is your lifestyle and how healthy your partner is? Mm. So yes, age is an important parameter. But I think uh, extreme of ages, beyond 45, yes, it's of a concern. But if someone is healthy, they're 38, they've got no medical problems, I think they should not be concerned purely just because of age. Mm. Or sort of have reservations about conceive, trying to conceive? I think it's okay to have some concern, but they should talk to their experts, have a good preconception counselling on how we can minimise it, screen for their diseases, make sure they're healthy, mm and then plan a pregnancy ahead. Mm. Um, in, in my reading, I also came across, you know, um, where if during the pregnancy, after you've conceived, during the pregnancy itself, during the antenatal uh, checkups, um, it is discovered that the unborn baby um, has certain conditions. Would that deem the, would that put the pregnancy into the high-risk category? Definitely. So there can be two problems. One, a mother who develops a complications that might affect her and indirectly affect the pregnancy. And that normally is babies who are smaller than normal. Babies were born early or prematurely. 
The second part comes to when a baby has got a condition diagnosed. Then we need to look at two aspects. Was that something that was inherited from the mother? So we may have to look into the family history. Was that something that is related to the mother's lifestyle? Smoking, lack of folic acid, so are two common things. Or was it something that is purely not linked in any way, just happened by chance? Now the baby has got a problem. I think it's good to see the right expert who will be able to tell you whether this is something which is bar- mild, which is monitoring, or is it something severe, or is there a need for intervention? Mm. Because now we now know that certain conditions of the baby can be treated in the womb before birth. Mm. And that will really make an impact with regards to having a safe delivery outcome. Mm, yeah, it's um, stuff that sounds like maybe a few decades ago would have been science fiction, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, Now let's uh, look at during uh, antenatal checkups, um, those, um, you know, follow-ups that uh, women go through after they've conceived, um, would those be sufficient uh, to pick up any potential complications uh, or problems that may increase the, the risk or the well-being of, of her pregnancy during, during those checkups? Absolutely. So I think it's very important, number one, to talk to your doctor preconception. I think that is the most important thing. You're going to talk about how you can modify, screen and embark on a pregnancy in an optimal time. Then the second phase comes during pregnancy. It is very important to see an expert very early in the pregnancy, ideally between 11 to 13 weeks. There could be a lot of investigations and screening and that important first booking review, uh, any doctor or a midwife or a trained professional should be able to risk stratify you. And certain interventions, for example, if you're at risk of having preeclampsia by taking aspirin, you can reduce the risk. If you have diabetes, by starting interventions, controlling, you can actually reduce the risk. So yeah, mm. as early as possible, not too late, ideally the first trimester. Mm. Um, would there be certain signs and symptoms that women themselves would experience during pregnancy that they should really, like, you know, red flags, don't ignore it, don't neglect it? I think very important question. If the woman, she herself feels that she's not right, she's having breathless, she's unable to lie flat, she's having headache. I think when someone tells you it is pregnancy related, please do not stigmatize her. If a woman addresses a complaint, if she herself feels that this is not a normal self, see an expert, have the right checkup, have the right diagnosis, and then exclude whether it is normal or it is something sinister. So what are the red flags? Headache that does not disappear with your normal paracetamol. Severe chest pain. Severe breathlessness. Or I think we also need to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. If you think that you're not your normal self, you're having difficulties sleeping, if you think you need additional support, these are red flags. Talk to your doctor. Do not suffer in silence. Speaking of mental health, um, if a woman has a mental health disorder and is on medication for something like depression, um, are there any potential concerns if she conceives or tries to get pregnant? I think two decades ago we were concerned, but now we know that almost a lot of medications are safe. So it's important to do two things. If you see the right expert, 
the right expert will be able to advise, escalate, and talk to you about interventions that are safe. But the right expert will also be able to normalize care. And a lot of medications, be it for schizophrenia, be it for depression, be it for anxiety, these medications are safe and there are no concerns provided you have double-checked it with your doctor who's supposed to be trained in medications and high-risk pregnancies. But a lot of medications aren't um, studied in pregnant women, right? How do we know they're actually safe? Excellent question. I think we have stigmatized once again uh, mothers who are pregnant and mothers who breastfeed. In fact, there's a huge notion going around around the world that we should have equity for pregnant and breastfeeding mothers. One often says that medication is not safe, not because it has been proven to be unsafe, it's just that it's never really been studied. But I think as a doctor, we need to make the right balance. What are the benefits? What are the risks? What is the gestation and how important is it? Now, most medications, if you start early, the first trimester, they may have a risk. But at a certain stage, we now know it's very safe. So I think it's good to see an expert who will be able to guide you. Mm. So you've talked about, um, you know, it really depends uh, on the particular situation and condition uh, and what you could do to help manage uh, the risks that are involved, uh, things like aspirin, for instance, if the mother had a history of preeclampsia. Um, what else? I, th I think, um, you know, when women get news like this, um, they will be concerned about whether there are certain treatments, procedures they have to undergo, and would that put their baby at any harm? Okay. So, as I say, there are two things that an expert will do. Number one, the most important job an expert is to make sure that we don't over-intervene. We do not over-medicate, but we normalize pregnancy because we now know that if she's been well and healthy and she's on medications, these medications can be continued throughout pregnancy. On the other hand, certain women may need certain additional interventions. It could be the sense of extra monitoring. For example, diabetes, daily sugar monitoring. If you've got a high blood pressure, taking aspirin, one tablet every night, controlling your blood pressure, understanding what are the red flags and knowing that what is the right expert and what to do in terms of an emergency, I think will make a difference. It's not just about how one is delivered. It's not just about having a cesarean section, but it's about what are the interventions undertaken throughout the 10 months until childbirth. Mm. Would uh, she have to come in for checkups more regularly with the doctor? I think the doctor will be able to advise a normal, uncomplicated patient usually would have 10 encounters, roughly four weekly ones. Someone with high risk perhaps may have slightly more frequent encounters, uh, but that depends on the gestation and the risk. Mm. And in terms of what women themselves should monitor, I guess it comes back to those red flags that you mentioned earlier, right? right. Just that... Also just that instinct that something is, is not I think right. that instinct is important. I think even doctors, when a woman addresses a concern, I think we should really investigate. If she says, I'm having this headache, I never had it before, we should investigate, look for a cause. If the woman says she's breathless, let's not say it is normal in pregnancy, but I think we as healthcare professionals should address the concern. Mm. 
Uh, we have a question from Shannon who's asking, how would mothers who have a pre-existing diagnosis of depression or anxiety who usually take medication, um, what, what type of support is available for them if they have a high-risk pregnancy but can't take their medications? Excellent question, Shannon. So I think number one, we need to know how well controlled the depression is. Number two, what are the trigger factors or are the trigger factors still ongoing? Number three, it's not just about medications. There are a lot of interventions, even CBT or RAPT or talking therapies helps. But we now know that what can a pregnancy due to depression is that it may get worse in the later stage of pregnancy, especially after birth. If there's not one medication that she can take, we can talk about various other options of medications. And that's a combination of a whole team from midwives to primary healthcare professionals to a maternal fetal expert, including a psychiatrist. Mm. So I think don't suffer in silence. Good to see a doctor pre-conception. Have a good long chat on how we can make you as healthy as possible. And what are the possible safe interventions during pregnancy, including medication if needed? Mm. And, and these are not decisions um, an individual should be making on their own. Like, I want to stop medication because I'm trying to have a baby. I mean, that could be potentially very dangerous, right? Correct. There could be two things that we need to look at when you're going to manage high-risk pregnancy. <clears throat> Example, depression. So what does depression do to the pregnancy? Uh it doesn't cause any pregnancy outcomes. But what does pregnancy do to the depression? Pregnancy is dynamic. You may be well in the first trimester, you may be well in the second trimester, but things may develop later on. So pregnancy may will make your mood disorders uh, slightly worse in the later part of the pregnancy. So I think it's good to take both of these into consideration and to find the right balance but now we know that a lot of interventions, a lot of medications have been proven to be safe during pregnancy and childbirth. All right. We will go for another quick break, uh, but do um, stay tuned because we have another question from WhatsApp that we will get to when we come back. Dr. Muniswaran Ganeshan, consultant obstetrician and gynecologist from Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur, talking about managing high-risk pregnancies. Call us with your questions 03-777-32900, WhatsApp 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be right back. On Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik, and my guest, Dr. Muniswaran Ganeshan, consultant, obstetrician, and gynecologist from Pantai Hospital, Kuala Lumpur. We're discussing high risk pregnancies. So get your questions in before we wrap up the show. Later, you can call us at 03 WhatsApp us a text message or a voice note at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Dr. Moon is a question here from our listener. Late formation of gametes may place the mother in the unsafe pregnancy category from a malformation standpoint. Will the doctor not perform specialised scientific investigations such as determining the genotype variations and advise the parents on the possible adverse outcomes and are these genetic tests commonplace? Yes, it's an excellent question. So I think the doctor will be able to perform two types of tests. One can purely be an ultrasound scan just to take a look at the structure. And now we have gone beyond the ultrasound to screen for some common conditions. Example, Down syndrome. 
Now, a condition like Down syndrome uh, can be diagnosed as early as 11, 12 to 13 weeks. And a scan done by an expert earlier, as early as 14 to 15 weeks, we be able to diagnose certain conditions. With regards to screening, now we don't just limit screening to women of certain age group, but screening is universal because anyone has got a risk. It may be higher at a certain age. It does not mean anyone younger has got no risk. With regards to screening, there are two types of screening. One is a non-invasive test, just a blood test. Or sometimes, seeing some experts may recommend a certain specialized screening where it may be an invasive procedure to directly sample the fetal cells. And the late formation of gametes that our listener is um, asking about, what exactly does that mean? It can mean a lot of things, but I believe uh, they're talking about a genetic condition in the baby. And talking about genetic conditions of the baby, although we use the term genetic, not everything is linked to the family. It may happen by chance. So it's good to be concerned about this condition. It can be screened early on, as early as the first trimester. If it's normal, it's good. If it's not normal, an expert will be able to tell you whether we need to move on and screen the whole family, or this is something that happened by chance, or is it a condition that you have to be concerned, or is it a condition that you can treat? Mm, all right. And um, genetic, I mean, tests and screening for genetic conditions, there can be so many types um, to screen for. I am assuming not all of these tests are easily accessible or available. Absolutely. I think in medicine, we talk about things that are most common. So the most common three conditions are Down syndrome, probably chromosome 13 and 18. So these are the three commonest tests. Of course, if it's something rare, we don't really look for it unless the mother herself know that she has got inherited this condition. An example is thalassemia. It can be screened. It is quite prevalent where one in 30 couples in Malaysia are thalassemic carriers. Mm, all right. Now... Um, I just want to address, I guess, um, the kind of emotional support a woman and her partner will need uh, if they're facing a high-risk pregnancy. Uh, this must be very emotional, um, very anxious period for the couples. Um, what are their topmost fears that you try to, you know, sort of um, help them work through? Excellent. I think it is not uncommon for a high-risk pregnant mother to be anxious because I think every mother desires to have a healthy baby. There may be certain challenges throughout the journey, but what we advise them, it is a journey that we have to walk together. It is normal to be anxious, but we should change this fear and anxious into empowerment, knowledge, and understanding what are the possible preventive strategies. And of course, uh, I think seeing the right expert who will be able to guide, monitor, intervene early to prevent complications are part of the strategies to handle this outcome. But knowing a mother, she will completely be anxious until after the baby is born, the baby takes the first breath. But I believe as healthcare professionals, we can actually address, counsel, feed and monitor. But you would never be able to pr promise any outcomes, right? I think although we desire a perfect outcome, even someone 
who's healthy and who's young have got a standard background risk. For example, the risk of miscarriage can be one in six. Mm. It is often unexplained. It has nothing got to do with the mother's age or the mother's risk. The risk of preterm delivery can be as high as one in ten. So there are background risks, although there are no such thing called a perfect outcome. All we intend to do is how we can prevent, reduce complications and improve outcomes further. Mm. Um, we talk so much about um, what kinds of healthy practices to adopt before you try and conceive. But, you know, if a woman conceives and um, there are complications with her pregnancy, there must be a lot of guilt as well. But that's probably, it's neither here nor there, right? There's no point making the mother feel guilty absolutely i think it is human to feel guilty first but i think you must understand one fact often always if a complication develops it's never really because of what the mother did or the mother didn't do you can be perfectly healthy go for all your checkups see the right expert do not be guilty but i think be empowered ask the doctor what happened ask the doctor how can we prevent this from happening again and I think change that guiltiness into knowledge. And then I think look to the future. And I'm sure uh, with the right help, with the right expert, uh, you can minimize it from happening again. Mm. Are there any specific um, uh, recovery periods or anything like that? If, um, if there are undesirable outcomes from that pregnancy, um, what do women need to know about sort of preparing for the next pregnancy if they want to conceive again? I think we're going to talk about recovery. We should look at two aspects, physical health. So there's this new concept called postpartum care, where I believe we should not just confine women to certain practices, but women should remain healthy from infection, from clots, from depression. Uh, so that is the postpartum care. And then... Once she's recovered fully from childbirth, she should take care of her inter-pregnancy care, maintaining her normal weight, optimizing her lifestyle, ensuring that she exercises and the partner is healthy as well. But what we often forget is the psychological health. I think there's no specific time frame. Often, sometimes, if you had an adverse outcome, you can be traumatized. So I tell all couples, take your time. Embark on a pregnancy when you're empowered, but embark on a pregnancy when you're ready to have this journey once again. Mm. So when you say postpartum care, you don't mean confinement practices? I think one of the biggest myths and challenges in obstetrics is what happens three months after delivery. So women often who are active, who, are, who see a doctor many times, up to 10 times in 10 months, often suddenly confine, limit, restrict their activities, limit their food intake. We now know that the postpartum period is also an important period. Women who have developed diabetes, one in two will develop diabetes in five years. Women who develop preeclampsia has got a two to four full chance of having stroke, having heart failures. So the postpartum period is just as important as the antenatal or the preconception period. So do not be confined. See your doctor. You may develop infection, mood disorders, blood clots. So we need to ensure that you have made a complete recovery. So the same doctor that you saw throughout the journey, I think you should continue seeing the doctor. We'll be able to advise whether there's a need to see earlier, 
they need to follow up what to do before pregnancy mm. and uh, because confinement practices are very often just traditional remedies and practices um uh, are there any of those that you'd like to address during a high risk pregnancy that you know that have concerned you when it comes to the patients that you've seen any potentially harmful ones that you'd like to advise women about thank you for asking this important question so i think the first biggest myth are the medications safe during breastfeeding so ask your doctor if you are on medications for your own health most likely these medications are safe number 2 do you still need to go for follow up and check ups for example if you got high blood pressure do you still need to monitor your blood pressure yes now what can happen in the postpartum period uh, some of time some of them who have got a higher tendency to develop clots maybe on blood thinness Sometimes they may be on high blood pressure medications. Sometimes you need to monitor your sugar or blood pressure levels. If you had a surgery, you need to make sure that you eat healthy, you recover well. So I think it is a progressive journey that you have to take. But confining yourself, restricting your food, your water intake, the time where you have to be most nutritious and healthy should not be the time when you are not eating properly. Mm. So so that would apply during the pregnancy months as well because um I suppose some women may be more anxious and fearful that they may restrict a lot of things during correct, that period. Correct. I think the logic comes to postpartum weight retention. So women who gain weight during pregnancy would ideally want to quickly shed off that weight. But I believe that weight should be gradual, should not be done within 3 weeks, but over a period of time. Anything which is too drastic may have negative health implications. Mm. If you have been healthy, recommendation is mild to moderate non-weight bearing exercise 20 minutes per day. I think you should remain healthy even in the postpartum period. And finally Dr. Munis, uh I guess to we've covered so much today. Um just to wrap up with a message for women who are probably planning to start a family. Uh, or those who are actually going through a high risk pregnancy right now what's your message for them my message is if a woman deems herself to be at risk if she has got an underlying medical familial surgical or genetic condition or if she herself has developed a previous pregnancy complications i think see an expert before embarking on a pregnancy It's called preconception health and I think believe that is the most important intervention. Do not fear that you cannot get pregnant, that you should not get pregnant, that it will happen again. Although that fear is true, I think by seeing a right expert, I think we can actually normalize, improve care. Stay as healthy as possible. Uh I believe you should divide pregnancy into before conception during pregnancy and postpartum is just as important as well and finally let's not forget the health of the partner is equally as important as the health of the mother all right thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today dr muniswaran ganeshan consultant obstetrician and gynecologist from pantai hospital kuala lumpur this has been health and living on bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the BFM app